Amen. Hey, would you go ahead and open your Bibles this morning uh, to Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 25 to 36. We are actually bringing into conclusion our six-week series called All In. Uh, the first couple of uh, Sundays, we talked about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And today, we're going to talk on the second part, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the way or the reference to which we're to love our neighbor is the way that we love ourselves, right? And if you think about being a neighbor and what that is, sometimes, uh, depending on how old you are, you think about, won't you be my neighbor? We might think of Mr. Rogers, right, and his neighborhood. Uh, but Jesus actually talked when, uh, in Luke's gospel, when they asked him, what is the Hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says that we're to uh, love God, but also love our neighbor. And he talked about the Good Samaritan. And Jesus defines what a neighbor is for us. And we're going to look at the, a very similar account of the Great uh, Commandment, except uh, Mark 10 and uh, Luke 10 are very they're similar stories, but actually, they're actually different. It's just kind of like the woman um, who wiped um, Jesus' feet with her uh, hair and her tears. There's Mary, right? And then there's the woman, this unnamed woman. So in the same way, uh, this incident of Jesus asking or Jesus telling the greatest commandment, it's actually uh, two separate accounts. They're two different accounts. Uh, one is that in Mark, it talked about a lawyer or a scribe, rather. In Luke, it talked about a lawyer. In Mark, it talked about, hey, what will I, um, uh, what is the great commandment? What is the most important? What is the weightiest? Here in Luke, it's like, hey, what is, what must I do? Not just know, but what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Um, most importantly, in in Mark's Gospel, talked about that there's a great Shema from Deuteronomy 6. But here, um, in Luke's Gospel, it doesn't mention the Shema, but it includes the parable of the Good Samaritan. Alright, so let's turn our Bibles. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, Rabbi, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Hey, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor then? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed and leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, here's kind of like the plot twist. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, 
he had compassion on him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. And so, Father, right now, we invite you. Lord, not only do we want to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but God, we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, it is impossible, God, to be to claim spiritual maturity, but be have relational immaturity. It is impossible, Lord God, to claim that we love you without loving your people whom are, who are created in your image and who you came, you lived, you died, and you resurrected for. And so, Father, I pray right now for a Holy Spirit quickening, a Holy Spirit uh, convincing and persuading of the truth, O Lord Jesus, that we would be a people that would take action, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of us are usually in a hurry? Right? How many of us, for example, how many of us are in a hurry to get to church? Like every morning or when you get to work or you go to a meeting, you're, you're always hurried. You're always um, just uh, filled with anxiety and you're, you're just kind of, let's go, let's go. You know, uh, did, did, does it feel chaotic? to get yourself ready, get your kids ready, and make it to church? Or were you early, or were you uh, at peace, and did you take your time, or did you have a slow down uh, time uh, when you went to church this morning? The reason I ask that question is because oftentimes, uh, when we are in a hurry, when we are rushed, when we are not slowed down, we hinder ministry. Or to say it another way, like oftentimes, hurriness, being in a hurry, being rushed, be living a fast-paced lifestyle of going from here to there and always running late and all barely making it on time, hurriness hinders ministry. You know, an ethics professor at uh, Princeton Seminary uh, asked for volunteers for an extra assignment. About half the class, they met him at the library and they received their assignments. Now, the, the, the professor, he divided the students into three categories. He gave first the first group, a group of envelopes and telling them, hey, go proceed immediately to Stewart Hall. And he told them, hey, you guys have 15 minutes and if the, you guys don't arrive on time, you would not get the full credit and this would negatively impact your grade. So he sent, gave them the envelopes and sent them off, 15 minutes. Uh, a minute later, he handed out envelopes to five other students. But this time, uh, they were all supposed to go to Stuart Hall, but he said, hey, you guys have 45 minutes to get there. 
And so they got their envelopes and they left. Now the third group had three hours to get to Stuart Hall. And the ethics professor, um, he did this assignment on purpose. And the students weren't aware of it because the professor had arranged for three of the drama students to come along their path from the library to Stuart Hall. Close to the beginning of their walks, one of the drama students had his hands on his head and was uh, moaning and, uh, and groaning in pain. About halfway to Stuart Hall, on the steps of the chapel, the seminary students passed a man who was laying face down as if he was unconscious. Finally, on the steps of Stuart Hall, the third drama student was acting out like he had a seizure. You know what's interesting? In the first group of students, those who had only 15 minutes to get across campus, no one stopped to help because they had to, they were in a hurry. They had to get stuff. They had pe uh, people to see places to go. In the second groups, in the second group, only two students stopped by to help where they had 45 minutes, less than half. But in the last group that had three hours, all of the students stopped to help at least one person. And the professor had clearly demonstrated to these seminarians and the students that hurry hinders ministry. Now the context of Luke chapter 10 was that Jesus was interrupted. Jesus had this intimate time with the disciples. He gathered 72 of his disciples. He commissioned them. He sent them out to go to preach, to, uh, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, right? To raise the dead, to uh, cast out demons. And uh, in Luke chapter 10, they gathered back together and they had praise reports and they were having a hurrah moment. And um, as they were, as Jesus had this intimate time with his disciples, 72 of his disciples, a man abruptly stops them. And Jesus could have taken the time to just like, Jesus could have just ignored the guy. He could have just like, hey, I'm talking to my guys right now, but instead, Jesus pauses and he stops and he ministers to the man. Jesus took the time to love on this lawyer. And, you know, the purpose of the parable really, guys, is to have one main thing. And it's usually a surprising thing. You know, it, it, Jesus tells the story of uh, a man who was, beaten, who was beaten up and he was going down from... Jerusalem uh, to Jericho, right? And um, at first it was a priest. And the priest goes to him and it's like, hey, I don't have time for you. And he goes on the other side. Now, to be fair, uh, priests during that time, uh, they weren't allowed to touch uh, those who are dead. They probably thought that, the, the priest probably thought that this man who had been badly beaten and injured, that he was probably close to death. Uh, even the Pharisees believe that even if your shadow touches, if your shadow hits that uh, person who is dead, a corpse, that you are unclean ceremoniously. But still yet, this is why I love Jesus. Like Jesus breaks the law and he understood, just like the Sabbath, that the soul is more important than a task. 
and then there's a pre uh, a Levite. So these are church people, and the church people, uh, Levite who would set up like maybe a, a, a youth pastor, or an associate pastor, or children's pastor, or facilities pastor at a church, they would saw this man that was beaten up, and he too went on the other side. And the point of the parable, the Good Samaritan, you guys, is there's supposed to have this surprising outcome or surprising, shocking result. It was a Samaritan. It was a Samaritan who was this half-breed that would help this person, putting up on his animal, putting up in his donkey, giving money to make sure that he arrives safely at an inn and make sure that he stays there as long as he needs. Uh, to contextualize that, you guys, it would be kind of like a... Today, if it would be like a non-binary atheist that would help, right? Or it'd be like a Hamas soldier that would help a person, you know, like, whoa, it was shocking. And the point of this parable is, uh, is this, love the person right in front of you. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? It's to love the person right in front of you. Because Jewish teachers, they usually use the word neighbor to mean a fellow Israelite. In Leviticus 19.18, it clearly means Israelite, where it says, hey, you and your fellow men, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And... Uh, Jericho was lower in elevation than Jerusalem and uh, remember Jerusalem was high on the hill so they would go down what's crazy is it says that the priest and the Levite they actually went down too so that probably meant they were done with performing their duties but they still chose not to love the person that was in front of them and in this parable, uh, there's a big emphasis from theory to practice. In other words, in Mark 10, it talks about like, hey, what is the greatest commandment? What is the weightiest one of all? It's more like a, a theoretical. But here, it is actually uh, the emphasis on doing something. The, the lawyer says, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. Jesus says in verse 25 and verse 8, 28, do this. Um, and then Jesus says the one who has a neighbor is the one who is did mercy. And Jesus responds to the Jesus responds to the lawyer and says, do likewise. In other words, uh, like loving your neighbor is loving the person right in front of you and to love is not just feelings but to love is to have action and the question is not so much who is my neighbor my my samaritan or enemy but am i a neighbor to those in need am i loving the person right in front in front of me you know, in 2016, they added a new word to the Oxford English Dictionary. And that word is an amalgamation of phone and snubbing. You know what the word is? Fubbing. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. 
where with your phone you are snubbing or you are ignoring the person in front of you it's the act of ignoring someone you are with and giving attention to your phone instead our researchers have found that almost half of all relationships suffer from fubbing we don't love the person in front of us we are too busy with our tasks we are too busy with our agenda we are too busy with our meetings that we are unable to fulfill the great commandment of loving god but loving our neighbor and jesus defines what our neighbor is our neighbor is loving those right in front of us and I have two application points for us number one is this is be willing to be interrupted so that you can minister Jesus's love be willing to be interrupted be interruptible so that you can minister Jesus love let's look at mark chapter 10 verses 46 and 52 this is Jesus and uh, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. You guys are getting the picture? Jesus was leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Mark chapter 10, verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, Go on your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. If you want to love your neighbor. If you want to fulfill the 613 commandments and boil it down to one of loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving our neighbor of our, as ourself, you and I must love the person right in front of us and we must be willing to be interrupted so that we can be conduits of the love of Jesus and minister to those around us. Do you guys know that most of Jesus' ministry and miracles, there were a series upon series and series and series of interruptions. You think about it, all the people that Jesus healed, Bartimaeus, the lame man, all the sick people, the paralyzed man, the dead child, all of them were a series of interruption. His first miracle, Jesus was at a wedding. He was willing to be interrupted to minister. His second miracle, he was interrupted on his way to Galilee. It says, Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. You know, Proverbs 3.28 says, If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. Listen, church take interruptions take stops 
take pauses in your schedules as an opportunity for you from God as divine appointments that for you to be a good Samaritan and that you could love your neighbor as yourself. Now, let me strike a balance here. I'm not saying don't draw hard boundaries. I'm not saying be a yes man. I'm not saying uh, let people push you around. But what I am saying is allow pauses and stops and interruptions in your day as God moments of opportunity to show the love of Jesus to those around you. And to be perfectly honest, it starts at home. It starts at home where you're like, okay, I'm home. I need to do the yard or I need to uh, change the oil in the car. And then your kid's like, hey, dad, can you take me to the park? Or your spouse, um, you know, you need to make dinner. You need to make dinner and then you just see your child has a bad attitude or your spouse needs help with this. Pause. Stop what you're doing be present, be attentive, listen to understand, and be the hands and feet of Jesus right where you're at. Allow interruptions to be opportunities for ministry. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to say? Lord, how can I show your love when you're, when you're at work, when you're in your lunch break, and, and maybe there's a homeless person asking for help. It's like, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, even this morning, I was, I, I was on a run because um, I'm loving God with all my strength, all right? And so um, I was on a run, and my neighbor, it was a rubbish day here in Kulio'o. So I was running, and my neighbor's like, hey, how's it? I'm like, hey, how's it? And she goes, how are you doing? I'm like, good. I stopped. I'm like, how are you doing? He's like, oh, yeah, your house. I like your upgrades. And we were able to talk. And as we were talking, you know, it was rubbish day. There was um, our neighbors, our other neighbors, uh, rubbish can because of the wind or whatever. It was knocked down. I could have went on my run. But I was like, hey, let me just pause right here and then just uh, let the rubbish can be st standard upright so I could um, just be present in the moment. Number two, would you write this in? Value each person as an image bearer of God. Value each person as an image bearer of God. You know, the Good Samaritan, it says he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. I think when we're interrupted, we see interruptions as uh, exactly that. Like we have stuff to do. We, I have an appointment. I got a meeting. I got to get my agenda done. I got my to-do list. I, I, I'm on a mission, right? I got to crush my, my agendas today, but allow agendas and when allow people interruptions as an opportunities and when you interact, value each person you, that you're with as an image bearer of God. Let's look at the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. And as he was setting out on his journey, do you guys see that? That Jesus was on his journey. 
A man ran up and knelt before him. The rich young ruler says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Jesus was on his journey, but he was interrupted. And Jesus, it says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. Oh, I'm getting chicken skin right now. It doesn't say Jesus looked at him and felt resentment toward him. It doesn't say Jesus looked at him and judged him. It doesn't say Jesus looked at him and, and condemned him. Or it says Jesus, even though he was on his way to a journey, even though he was interrupted, Jesus, he looked at this rich young ruler and it says, and he loved him. He saw Jesus, who is God himself. Jesus, who was there when he knitted this rich young ruler, this man in the womb. Jesus, who fearfully and wonderfully made this man. Jesus, who knows the hairs of the head of this man. Jesus, who created this man, loved him. And ministered to him you know and this is like another level because okay i'm willing to be interruptible or interrupted so i could minister but this this idea of valuing people treasuring people as image bearer not as nuisances right and this is even jesus with the little children the disciple says hey get out of here jesus has more important stuff to do it's like no let them sit on my lap. Let me lay my hands on them so that I can bless them. You know, um, I'll never forget about 15 years ago, 14 and a half years ago, uh, before we moved here to Hawaii, um, the season at our church where I was at, it was coming to, the Lord had made it perfectly clear that it had come to a close. And so I was seeking counsel of what I should do next. I sought wisdom. I sought other pastors. I went to our fourth grade district. I went to district supervisors. I was like, hey, what should I do? Am I seeing a blind spot? And just being teachable and humbling myself. And um, I, I met up with another pastor who was supposed to be, I was a youth pastor at that time. He was supposed to be a youth pastor for the youth pastors. And... Uh, I asked him, hey, can we meet up? And so we meet up, we have lunch. I'm pouring out my heart to him. And, you know, he's just kind of like checking the time, kind of like, hey, you know, don't worry about it. I mean, I was at my dad's church. I mean, my name is Jose Galope Danganan Jr. I'm Jose Jr., John John, right? And I was supposed to take over my dad's church. And I thought this was my journey for, uh, this was my destiny for me to take over my dad's church and to uh, have everything be settled. Um, and I was going through this crisis and this conflict and this tension, you know, and um, I think I, I was, I had been even crying and I was pouring up my heart. I go, okay, okay, yeah, um, you know what, you know, let me just uh, give a, you know what, here's what I'll do. I'll give you a recommendation and th that will just get you to any church that you you want and that'll for sure get your job opening. I was like, oh, okay, and and um, and I was I was talking uh, maybe 45 minutes in, you know, uh, he, 
He's like, hey, bro, uh, uh, we're at the Americana in Glendale, California. And he's like, hey, there's an H&M over there. I need to buy some skinny jeans. So do you mind if, we, if you keep, continue to talk and let me go shopping at the same time? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, I felt so little. I felt so devalued. I felt like I was not worth this guy's time. That he's not even willing to stop. And as I'm pouring out my heart and I'm considering possibly quitting uh, vocational ministry or moving or whatever it is. And, and, uh, but that was not Jesus. Uh, Jesus, when he ministered, he looked and he loved. And I love that. As a dad, I, I know that sometimes when we're interrupted, when we're in a zone, especially if you're working from home and your children at home, you're teleworking, um, it's so easy not to love uh, the person right in front of us, which is oftentimes our children or maybe our neighbor. It's so easy to see them as nuisance or distraction. But Jesus says, hey, you, you want to inherit eternal life? You want to have the heart of God? is to love God with heart, mind, soul, and strength, but also to love your neighbor as yourself. And the question is not, who is my neighbor? The question is, am I being a good neighbor? And, you know, if I could bring this back to the gospel, um, that Jesus, he is that good Samaritan, that we were the one that was harassed, we were helpless, we were thrown down like sheep without a shepherd, that we made a complete mess of our lives, that Satan who came to steal, to kill, and destroy our lives um, ravaged our present, and that we were on the miry pit, as it were, but Jesus was the one who saved us. And so... Um, as we bring the series to a close, can we go all in together, church? Uh, you know, changing the world does not begin with going to the outer ends of the earth, but just like Jesus, loving the people right in front of us. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time, and we do ask, Lord, right now for a heart change for each one of us. Lord, would you forgive us? Well, Lord, sometimes in our drivenness, in our busyness that we are um, so hurried and so rushed and that we need to slow down and be with you and be present to what you're doing. So Lord, as we confess, as we repent, I pray, Lord, that you would do your work in each one of us. I pray, oh Lord God, that you would uh, make your name great and that we would be a people that would be marked by the love of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord give you peace. Go with God and God will go with you. Have an amazing Veterans Day weekend.